Is your career not quite moving in the direction you want it to? That's because building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career more like climbing a rock wall. Thankfully, you found the Career Progressions Podcast brought to you by RevealedTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Holman. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they will share with you will help you find the climbing holes they use to get to where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. So I recently heard a story about a candidate who wanted to call out their ability to have great attention to detail on their resume. The only problem was they misspelled the word detail. How ironic is that? You know, these little slip-ups can absolutely tank you when it comes to recruiters and hiring managers. So do you have something hiding in your resume that's holding you back? If you're not sure, you're definitely going to want to lean into today's conversation. We've invited resume guru Tom Hanneman for a conversation, and he's joining us all the way from Australia. You know what? He has seen it all, and he knows how to make sure your resume stands out for the right reasons. He's had two decades of guiding executives invaluable experience from HR to management consultancy, and experience working with distinguished associations like Director Institute, Resumes Australia, and Blue Steps Executive Career Services. He's the beacon of hope for all of our resume woes. So welcome to the show, Tom. Good to see you. Well, thank you very, very much. I appreciate your uh, introduction. Now, you know, this is the first time that I've been called a beacon of hope. (laughs) How does it fit? Does it fit okay? Look, I'll take it. There you go. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's let's start shining that beacon here and let's maybe start with a fun question here. So I'm wondering, so in all your years of doing this resume thing, what's the most memorable resume mistake that you've come across? You know, there are just so many. And if you don't mind, I just wanted to... um, sort of draw out a, a, a few classics. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to criticize people because I know that, um, you know, we're all infallible and we all make mistakes. But, you know, you mentioned attention to detail. And um, a client of mine had attention to derail. Attention to derail. Yeah, now the word's spelled correctly, but it's not the correct word. That's right, and 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 a very unfortunate choice too. Yeah, um, and I, I've worked with worked with someone quite a few years ago now, but um, they included a, a fairly provocative photo in their uh-huh. resume in the hope that it would um, kind of um, how, how should we say stimulate interest. Interesting. But, yeah, but unfortunately. Um, and, you know, we've had people with the, the wrong position title and wrong organization in their application. So they wow. submitted this well-crafted resume, but it said, I'm applying for a job in organization X. Yeah. But that wasn't the organization that, well, X is, <laughs> it used to be Twitter, but you know what I mean. Right. Uh, wrong organization and, and, and wrong position title. And I've had uh, working with people who 
have uh, two people from the same company yeah. who were both retrenched at around about the same time, and they both claimed to have been responsible for the same project. Uh, around there. Interesting. Yeah. So I had to call that out and say, which one of you was it? And in fact, it was neither. It was their boss uh-huh. who was responsible for the project. I've seen resumes with no contact details. Really? Yeah. And I've seen resumes saying they had a career break yeah. to renovate their hose. Well, it's honest. Well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've had one where they um, misspelled the word. They said they were an expert in proofreading. Yeah. But they spelled the word proofreading with only one O. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the more interesting ones was that, uh, was that they said they were um, – they wanted to say that they were good at public speaking, but yeah. unfortunately, they left out the letter L. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll let yeah. the audience figure that one out. Yeah, that's, that's probably bad for the resume. Yeah, and we've had, uh, we've had one where they, uh, they said they delivered a new um, manufacturing facility at $3 million over budget. Over budget, yeah, yeah, which is not kind of, which is really not the achievement it's, you want. Which to, is normally uh, frowned upon, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and instead it, of people running an operation, they said they ruined an. Operation. They ruined an operation. Well, there's yeah. somebody you want to hire. Well, yeah, and absolutely. They, and in the, they're all comical examples, but I mean, it's it's people moving too fast. It's people not paying attention to detail. Uh, and it's important. I know as a hiring manager, um, it was very easy to put those resumes to the side. Let me ask you about one of the things you brought up. And you were talking about the provocative picture, but let's talk about pictures in, in general. And I don't know if this yeah. is if this varies from country to country or where you are in the world. But in your experience in right now, what do you think about putting pictures on resumes? Do you support that idea? I know a lot of folks who say you shouldn't. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I tend to agree with that, um, particularly in sort of um, countries like the US and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, and, and some Western European countries. But there are other countries in the world, in the Middle East, uh, India, Southeast Asia, where photos are not necessarily mandatory, but um, they're, they're very commonplace. And one of the reasons that uh, I think in, in many Western countries to, to not include um, photographs is um, for discrimination purposes. Right. And uh, I think that's well worth bearing in mind because at the end of the day, people are not going to be or should not be selected on the basis of right. you know, their, their, their visual representation or the image so or f- physical image so i think it's well worth saying um it's not necessary to include photo and in fact it's it's not really desirable in most western countries yeah yeah and you know some people might say well shoot well why you got your photo on linkedin or at least most people do if you go look out of most linkedin profiles you you have it there and folks say so what's the the difference one of the differences a lot of people maybe don't recognize is for a lot of organizations in their LinkedIn for their recruiters, they can have the photos turned off. 
So even though you have a photo on your account, some of the companies may block that feature for unconscious bias reasons. And so, you know, again, but if you've got it, you know, on your resume, there's no way they can, they, they can not see that. So that would be the only reason I'd say, you know, it's a little different when it's on LinkedIn. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Tom, because you, I mean, two, two, two decades, that's a long time to be looking at resumes and, and, and coaching folks on their career. So I'm wondering, how have you seen the nature of resume mistakes evolve? I mean, especially when they, the invention of the digital platforms and tools, it's changed a lot. How have you seen it change? You know, in recent times, I think um, the re reliance on artificial intelligence um, mm. uh, products such as uh, ChatGPT, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people seem to um, use artificial intelligence to kind of build their resume. And unfortunately, um, that's not such a good thing. First of all, recruiters they they can tell yeah that a human being didn't write this and secondly the um artificial intelligence is not really all that unfortunately as yet intelligent mm. um it, it it you know it's it's something that i would recommend people avoid because a resume is is a is a document about your personal achievements and so on and so forth and yeah. and needs to be you as opposed to something you know some some software writing about you so that's one that's one area the the other one has become the proliferation of buzzwords and i'll, I'll give you an example i read a resume which said i'm a seasoned ambitious flexible proactive dynamic results oriented team player who wow. has a strategic impact that's a mouthful yeah and they were quite serious and they thought that was a great thing to say. Unfortunately, it's it's quite meaningless and hollow. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that's that, that that's come to um, that, that's happened recently is that people think that Microsoft Word or Grammarly will save you. Mm. So they switch on Microsoft Word spell check. They put it in the right language, and they they've got the free version of of Grammarly, and they think that's going to fix all the issues. Uh, unfortunately, it won't. But uh, but the the real unfortunate thing is that people are missing out on opportunities because they 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 they're they're relying on software to save yeah. them from making blunders. Yeah, and, and no good. Sorry, there's just one more, which is that um, a, a lot of people are not aligning their resume with applicant tracking systems, and uh. and we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but. Um, Unfortunately, what's happened is that applicant tracking systems become more, more prolific, and if you don't align your resume to the to the requirements of the ATS, then uh, you're going to get into big trouble and you'll miss out on opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and you, so you bring up a couple of interesting things. I mean, ChatGPT and and uh, Grammarly and things like that. These are great tools, but they're tools and we need to, you, you can't put too much faith in those. If um, for listeners who've been listening to our show a bit, a few episodes back, we had a little fun and did an actual episode with ChatGPT. So basically I just prepped questions that I asked it 
and then gave it a computer voice and it answered, uh, you know, some questions about how it's going to be a resource for folks for their career. And it, it is it is a good tool to give you some ideas. But I agree with you, Tom, you, you, you can't you can't just say, OK, write me a resume, let it do what it's going to do. And then and then that's it. You've got to take you know, where it's starting and and then you've got to make it your own. So it is it's and it's, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that tool continues to evolve. And you're right. We we will get into the ATS conversation. I definitely have some good questions for you about that. Um, we had a guest uh, many episodes ago, Amy Miller. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's kind of popular over here, has a show called uh, Recruiting in Yoga Pants. And she has some very passionate ideas about um, about ATS systems. So I invite folks to maybe listen on that. But let's um, let's talk about, you know, the resume in general. So in your view, is there one particular section of the resume where people tend to kind of make the most errors and, and what would you say that is? Well, I, I think where a lot of people fall down is in their introductory section or their summary section or call it what you will, um, they don't articulate very clearly their unique value proposition. Mm. And this is important because there's often dozens, if not hundreds of candidates for, for a role yeah, And that means that people need to differentiate themselves. Mm -hmm. And by addressing the question, what makes you special? What makes you different? What are the pain points that you can help organizations address that other people can't do or can't do as well as you can? If you don't do that at the front end of your resume, you can very quickly lose the interest of the reader because they don't really understand what you're offering. Yeah, And that's probably the single biggest mistake um, there's a couple of others which are coming as a close second, and that is when they're talking about the job uh, or each of their jobs that they've had, mm -hmm. they don't talk about the mandate of that job. So okay. what that means is they don't provide a context. So what were the issues and challenges and, and problems being faced by the organisation that they were asked to help the organisation address or solve? Yeah. And what that means is that you end up with a, a list of duties and responsibilities, essentially a repurposed job description. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I see when I'm working with folks is they are you know, saying, this is what I did uh, with very little information about how well they did it. And I think also it's worth mentioning, particularly with ATSs out there and things, you're I mean, what you're saying about the jobs you were in really needs to align with what the company that you're interviewing with wants. I mean, okay, you did X, Y, and Z, but if it's not relevant to the job that you're trying to get, it's it's really just taking up space. Let's let's talk about the summary thing though, because you bring up the summary section, and there's a lot written out there. There are a lot of opinions about it. Some folks say a summary section is a waste of space on a resume because you can put that you know that kind of information in a cover letter. Some people say don't bother with cover letters. Uh, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about the summary section? Uh, is it critical? Yeah, I, I agree that it is critical. And the reason for that is that, that a lot of organizations or a lot of recruiters um, don't need or want a cover letter, uh, mm. which means that your summary section kind of serves as a, a, a mini or compressed cover letter. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is, here's what I can do for you that's relevant in the context of the role that I'm interested in. Yeah. And 
if you're not providing that, you might not capture the reader's attention so that they want to read the rest of your resume. And that's really what a summary section is, is all about. It's a, it's a kind of like a, a teaser or a, um, you know, what, what's the word I'm searching for when you, you know, um, a trailer for a movie yeah. or a TV show. You want to stimulate people's interest so they want to get, um, you know, so, so they want to read the rest of it. Yeah, so and they want to watch the show. And I completely agree with you, Tom. I'm a big fan of the summary section. I'm also a big fan of that's one of the places that you want to customize the most. Uh, and again, like it or not, we live in a world where you have to customize your resume. There are just too many other people out there competing for the roles. You've got to stand out to your point earlier. So this is where you can show how you bring value and in a very high level, you know, point to why you're the right, the right candidate. So, yeah, I think you and I are in lockstep on that. I, I encourage folks to not only keep a summary section, but uh, make it make it valuable. And, and we've all heard the stat. Seven seconds is how long a recruiter looks at a resume. So you, you keep your summaries you know, direct and to the point, and hopefully you capture them for a little longer than that. Absolutely. Well, let's. Let's shift over to the ATS because that that is a big deal. I mean, ninety nine percent of companies, you know, they they have ATS systems, and there are a lot of different ones out there, and and they're becoming you know very prevalent. So, what are some of the common mistakes applicants can make that get their resume you know maybe automatically rejected? So, what are the things they're messing up there? Yeah, the, the, there's a few things. One is not adjusting the skills or expertise section of their resume so that it aligns with the requirements of that particular role mm -hmm. in that particular company. And a lot of people kind of think, oh, you know, it takes a lot of time yeah. to do that. Well, yeah, it does. But at the end of the day, if you want to compete successfully and if you want to get through the um, applicant tracking system, that's what you've got to do. Yeah, it, it's kind of there's no shortcut around it. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, I'm good at A, B and C. But if the organization is looking for D, E and F, yep. then your resume is going to get rejected. So not customizing that particular section and not focusing uh, your achievements against the requirements of the job, because that's what the ATS does. It compares, you know, it's a bit like a, you know, a dating app in some yep. in, in some way is that they're comparing what you've got to offer with what I want. And if you're not telling me that, my applicant tracking system is going to reject you. So that's, that's really the, the, the key thing. The, the other thing that is uh, prevalent is focusing on responsibilities or achievements that are not particularly relevant to the job. So mm. that the ATS thinks that, well, you're not relevant. You're so not we're not going to give you a high enough mark. Yeah. Uh, a couple of... Oh, some people like to use graphics and fancy fonts and mm -hmm. columns and images and so forth. Um, my suggestion there is not to do that because some applicant tracking systems um, don't really enjoy them right. as much as we want them to um, because you don't know what version of the ATS right. the organization's using and you don't know what, um, what model or brand they're using. And there's a, a lot of variability. There's a, there's a dozen or more ATS systems out there. And uh, so it's better to stick with um, standard text and, and not, um, uh, not use graphics or images. And the suggestion I make here is to use a, 
um, a product called JobScan. I'm sure you're familiar yeah, with it. I'm very familiar. With and um, you know, they they give you five goes for nothing mm-hmm. to test it out. And so it's always a good idea to use something like JobScan. There's others out there, um, but that's the one I'm most familiar with, so that you can test your resume against what an ATS is likely yeah. to, to 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 see. Yeah, and I I encourage folks with that too. And again, it goes back to the same things we were saying about ChatGPT and Grammarly. It's a tool. Job scans a tool, so you know you got to use it accordingly. But it, it it is helpful because it is basically looking at the job description and pulling out those keywords that they're looking for and making sure you have enough of those. Well, that's one of the things it's doing in your resume. And and let me give folks a real life example. So. I mean, I work with a recruiting company and and we recruit some very difficult to find uh, positions. We recently were recruiting for stress engineers for a company that does cargo conversions for aircraft. And one of the things that was critical for this role was they needed to have finite element analysis. That's a skill set that they needed. So, you know, whenever we were setting up the ATS and things for that, so that we're, we're looking at all these resumes, finite element analysis is, is a word I'm looking for. And it needs to appear in your, in your resume, or you're probably going to get overlooked. So particularly in positions like that, where you've got very specialized skills, it's really important. But uh, even in the soft skills of, you know, a sales role or whatnot, you, you need to make sure you're using the same language the company's using. Would you agree, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's really the, the critical issue is matching the language. Yeah. So whilst you might use a word that is similar in meaning or even the same in meaning, if it's not the same word, the African tracking system might not be able to, um, uh, you know, d- define it in the same way. Yeah. You know, they're not good at uh, comparing um, words of similar meaning, but that are, that are different. Yeah. Well, uh, let's shift a little bit. I want to talk about probably one of the harder things somebody has to do and whenever they're working with their resume. If if somebody is is done being in a particular industry that they're in or, or the kind of career that they're in and they want to pivot and they want to step into something different, that that's a difficult thing to do, particularly if you've invested multiple years in the same place. Uh, and, you know, using in the language you use and how you tell your story, it's so important. So, you know, for a candidate that maybe somebody you've worked with in the past who was doing X and now they're done, they want to do Y and they need to update their resume. But everything about their past employment history says they're X. How do you coach them with that? How do you help them with their resume so that uh, it tells a story that might draw in somebody in the Y community? Yeah, and I think there, there, there's a couple of um, elements to that. One is to convey your motivation for wanting to make the switch. Mm. Because let, let's say someone wants to go from you know, sales into operations, yeah. as an example. Now, they've got some operations experience, but most of their career has been in sales. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, why do, why do, why do I want to become <clears throat> or an operations manager instead of a sales, instead of just another sales manager? So motivation is important so that mm-hmm. um, people believe you um, and there's some credibility around you know, your desire to make that transition. And then the question becomes, what are the skills that I've developed over the years in a particular field 
of those which are readily transferable mm -hmm. and highlight those in your resume and provide information about how you've applied those skills um, in terms of your achievements and contributions. And I think that's, that's really the key to make the transition. Having said that, it ain't easy. Yeah, you're right. Particularly if you're applying for jobs online. Yeah. So if I'm looking for an operations manager, if I don't see the words operations manager in your job title, mm. uh, I may very well overlook you. Yeah. And that then becomes, that, that becomes an issue of strategy. Yeah. So my recommendation for, for people in those situations is to leverage their network yep. so that uh, people who know them well, who trust them, who understand what they have got to offer can vouch for them and can advocate for them and, and introduce them to people that they would never get access to if they were simply applying for the same job. But, sorry, simply applying for a, a job in the open market. Yeah. Because the likelihood of getting rejected is going to obviously be a lot higher than if someone vouches for you and recommends you. Yeah. So it, it's a combination of the two. What are your transferable skills and expertise? And in fact, how can your background possibly be an advantage yeah. over candidates who don't have right. the skills and experience that you have? And then it, it then boils down to strategy and networking is by far the most um, effective strategy uh, rather than applying for jobs uh, directly on job online. I'm not going to go as far as saying it's impossible to just do the job board thing and pivot. Uh, but man, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put my chips in there with you on this, Tom, that it is incredibly difficult if you haven't already established a connection through a networking connection. So yes, I think that's a really good point for folks to get. If you're planning to make a pivot, really the first thing you want to get good at is, is networking. Okay. You, you definitely want to do, I, I like your point about, you know, make sure your motivation for the switch shows up and that, and you could probably make that show up in your summary section on your resume. Maybe that's a place where you can address that. But yep. if you really want to be successful in a pivot, man, you better be good at networking because, again, the world, when they look at your resume, when they look at your LinkedIn, they're going to see you as you were because that's where your story is. And you have to be able to show yeah. them something different. Let me ask you this, Tom, because there's a, a specialized kind of resume, a skill based resume that is, you know, is getting out there and people are maybe doing more of that. And I think if you're making a pivot, a skill-based resume, which is basically, it focuses on the skills that you have, the things that you've done, and then you, you, you do a chronological order of your employment history, maybe down at the bottom, but it's much more subtle. It shows I went from here to here to here, but the focus of the resume is on the skills. How do you feel about a skill-based resume? I know you've come across some of those. Who knows? Maybe you've written some for folks. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, um, my conversations with um, search consultants, recruitment consultants, and hiring managers suggest that um, a pure skills-based resume or, or a functional resume, as it's often functional, called, yeah. is probably not the way to go um, because people then have to go backwards and forwards to work out you know, when did you do this and what was the company and what were the challenges and all of those things. So it actually makes it more difficult for the reader 
um, most of the people I've spoken with um, would say that they, they prefer a chronological resume because it's easier for them to navigate. Mm. Um, however, having said that, a hybrid resume where you start off by talking about your skills and areas of expertise that are relevant to the job that you're interested in or the type of job you're interested in, mm -hmm. followed by um, a, a chronological um, uh, treatment of your career is probably going to work well for you because people reading it will get the sense that you are attempting to connect your experience, skills, and, and expertise and achievements to the role that you're now transitioning to. Mm -hmm. I like the sound of that. I mean, and maybe a hybrid is is a good idea for you know folks who are trying to do that pivot thing. Well, let's let's hit on. You know, we've got some time left here. I want to make sure we hit on some of the big important issues. And here's the age old debate issue: mm. one page or two. So what's the sweet spot for resume length in your in your eyes, Tom? Yeah, look, it does vary between um between geographies. Um yeah. and and so I've done a little bit of um you know, I've worked with quite a number of clients in, in the US and you know, I keep keep hearing, oh, it's got to be a one-page resume. Now, mm. uh my research indicates that that's a bit of a, a bit of a myth. Um, in, in the sense that if, if you're a serious, serious, a, um, an experienced executive, a one-page resume is not going to work. If yeah. you're a, a recent graduate, yeah, it will, because you don't have a lot to say. Right. But if, you, if you're a, an executive or a senior manager, uh, you're not going to get rejected because your resume exceeds some arbitrary length yeah. that you know, people have pushed. A one page is going to be cluttered. It'll be condensed. There'll be no blank space. You have to use a small font. It's hard to read. Mm. And more importantly, there'll be insufficient detail. You can't really do yourself justice in a page if you've had a you know, 15, 20 plus year uh, career. Yeah. And what that means is that you won't be including information that recruiters and hiring executives want. Yeah. And people, they want to know more about you if you seem to fit the job requirements through your summary section and your skills section people will want to know more about you so a well organized two or three page resume can can actually make it easier for the reader to determine you know whether you're a good match for the role well so and, that you mentioned two or three page and i was going to ask yeah. do you ever see a scenario where three page is acceptable it sounds like maybe it is yeah um, yeah, it, it, it certainly is. I've spoken to uh, some recruiters and headhunters in the, in, in the US and Canada and other parts of the world. And they say, well, look, you know, the issue is not length. People are not going to get rejected because your resume exceeds a certain length. Yeah. If it's interesting, if the information is valuable and relevant, yeah. and if it talks to what it is that you've got to offer, and <clears throat> in other words, don't get constrained by the length of the document. Make sure there's enough uh, blank space between bullet points and make sure that the margins are wide. Don't use a small font. And oftentimes that means that you, you need to increase the page length. But page length is probably not the issue. It's word count. Mm. 
I mean, I can take a, a three-page resume and compress it into two, containing yeah. exactly the same number of words. Huh. But if it looks crowded and cluttered right. and difficult to read, that's going to have an impact psychologically mm. on my willingness to give you the attention that you want. So, I mean, what I'm hearing you say, Tom, and I agree, it, it's not about length, it's about relevance. And I think as long as the content that you have is relevant, it works there. I mean, an analogy I've used with folks for years is, you know, whenever I help people build a resume, we talk about building a resume closet. So think about this. I mean, if you go on a business trip, you don't take everything out of your closet and put that in your suitcase. You are very selective about the things that you pack that are relevant to the location you're going. Same kind of thing with a resume. When I have people build resumes, I say, you know what? Make it 10 pages if you want. Put every bit of value that you think you bring into it and have it all set up. And that becomes your resume closet that has all the wonderful things about you in one place. And then when you send that resume, you need to be very careful to look at each one of those bullet points and ask yourself, do I need this for this particular destination? And if you, if you do, leave it in there. If it's relevant and I, as a hiring manager, can read it and say, yeah, I need that kind of skill in my company, you want to have it there. But you also, you've got to be careful that your bullet points are not getting in the way of the really valuable bullet points, that you don't have so many that the ones that are great are getting overlooked. What are your thoughts on that, Tom? Yeah, I, look, just before I talk about that, could you talk to my wife? About packing? <laughs> about packing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she so she doesn't uh, follow that rules, is what you're saying. No, no, she packs as much as she can, and we always pay excess excess uh, fees. <laughs> um, so, look, I think that's the issue. It's 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 relevant. So you look at the the requirements of the job through the job advertisement or the position description or however you can, and work out. Okay, out of the 27 things that I accomplished, um. They're looking in sp specifically for seven, eight, nine. So, if I create this, uh, you know, you might call it a universal resume. Yeah. And that document never sees the light of day. Right. And what you do then is you spin off different versions according to the requirements of the job. Right. Or the organization or both. And say, so we're looking for someone who's great at, you know, fixing water pipes. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So I talk about all the water pipes I've fixed, some of the more challenging projects I've undertaken, some of the difficulties. That's what I'm selling. But the fact that I've also, you know, built retaining walls mm -hmm. is not going to be an issue because they don't need someone who can build retaining walls. Right. So yeah, it is all about relevance and focus and that's why I always say to people, and in fact, that's that's how I work with many of my clients, is create, you know, an omnibus or universal resume. But you spin off version A, B, C, D, and E. Yeah, and people say all the time, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to have to redo my resume every time. Well, you don't have to redo it. You just have your universal resume, and then you you customize it. But be careful. I know when I I. People have got to get out of their own feelings when it comes to what they've done, because some people get very passionate about, well, I want to have this on my resume because I'm very proud of that accomplishment. I get it. But if that accomplishment is completely irrelevant to the people that you're you're trying to get a job with, it's it's getting in the way of better content. 
So it's an important piece there. Well, Tom, we're getting down towards the end, and I, I always I have um I have this great desire to ask my guests to get a little personal when we get to the end because I think people, you know, it's a vulnerable time for a lot of the people who listen to this podcast because they're looking for work. So, Tom, if you were to get a little a little bit uh, personal about your journey, I'm wondering um, what what in your case can you talk about? either the biggest mistake you made on your resume or the best change you ever made to it. Uh, I mean, is there something that in, with you and in, in your resume, how did, uh, how did that come about? What would that look like? Yeah, look, it, it's not so much my resume um, because I, I think I've done pretty well in, in my own resume and I don't want to boast, but you know, I will. Um, <laughs> Go right ahead. In that, Whenever I've sent out an application in my earlier career before I got into uh, into my current um, career, it is I've got interviews for all but one role that I've that I've applied for. So it it really wasn't so much a, a question of the the resume itself. It really was about uh, something a bit deeper, which was accepting a role for the money. Hmm. Now I was offered a role, thirty percent increase, yeah, in salary, moving to a new city with a lower cost of living. So in fact, in real terms, it was more than thirty thirty percent. Sure. So what I really should have focused on is investigating and doing more due diligence on the culture of the organisations and uh, the culture of the the firm and what it is that they were expecting me to do which yeah. as it turned out i believe was unrealistic hmm. so in terms of from a career perspective that was the biggest mistake in fact i should never have applied for the job in the first place i should hmm. never have built a resume around that job if i'd done my homework correctly and i think that that brings me to the point of if you're going to apply for a job do as much due diligence and research that you can about the organization so that even before you submit or before you prepare your resume, you've got at least a, a basic understanding of whether that's going to be a good career move for you. Yeah, I, I like where you're going with that. We we referred to that in the terms of, of career drivers. One of the first things we do when we're working with people is get them very aware of what is it that motivates you about work. And if if money is not at the top of that list, you need to consider those other factors because the money can be very tempting, but it may also lead you into a place that uh, is unfulfilling. So I, I I love what you're pointing out there, Tom. Well, as we kind of wrap up, hey, can you do some rapid fire? What are what are the maybe top three quick fixes anyone can implement today to help uh, them avoid any resume pitfalls? What would your top three be? Well, I think the the focus of your resume should always be on your contributions, your achievements, mm -hmm. and doing as much as you can, if possible, to quantify your achievements. Yeah. And also put your achievements in context. For example, if you increase your if you increase your department sales to 12 million, what was the context? What was it before? So compare the before and after so that people understand the difference that you the, the that you've actually made. And if your achievements are not directly quantifiable or the time lag between what you did and the result 
is going to be a long time. Yeah. Uh, for example, I designed and developed a leadership program for the company. Now, the, the benefits of that are not going to be apparent for months, if not a year, down sure. the track. So even in those cases, people need to understand, they need to be able to imagine in their minds what that's going to achieve, what that's going to involve. And I, I guess the the things that I recommend that people focus on are what you did, yeah. how you did it, what was the approach or strategy. The third question is, so what? What was so the what? impact or significance? Yeah. And the fourth thing is, how hard was it? Hmm. How difficult was it? And, I think and that's important because that that tells the reader that you're able to get things done under difficult circumstances, that you're able to overcome obstacles and and uh, solve complex problems. Now, it's a bit like the uh, the athlete who says, "Well, I want a gold medal." Okay, fantastic. Where was that? Oh, it's the Olympic game. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm listening because that's not easy. Right. To tell that story. And I, I love how you bring up the so what element. That's one of the things I tell folks, hey, when you're looking at your bullet points, you should be asking so what about each one. And that's going to tell you whether you either are just explaining what you did or you're showing the impact. Well, Tom, hey, thank you so much for bringing some wisdom to uh, the show today and for sharing some good ideas. I really appreciate uh, what you're doing for job seekers out there and for you making the time to, to share a bit with our listeners here today. Well, you know, thank you very much, Mark, for having me on on the uh, on the show. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to speak to uh, your audience. I do hope that uh, people got some takeaways from some of the things that we discussed today. And um, happy job hunting! Amen. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you. So, do you have a better idea about the things that can wreck your resume? What I heard Tom say is that your resume better be relevant. You need to be laser focused on what a specific employer wants and then align your resume with that. If you're trying to pivot into something new, make sure your motivation for doing so is clear and you speak about what you've done in the context of the role that you're applying for. And remember, no matter how perfect your resume is, it's never going to replace the importance of good networking, particularly if you're pivoting. If you need more support with the construction of a results-oriented and relevant resume, stop by revealtalent.com and we'll be happy to help.